Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. I just want to say thank you again. Thank you again for allowing us to be with you all. We've really enjoyed being able to come and, and to meet with all of you. And thank you for allowing us to be able to present. Uh, the Lord has put this burden in our hearts and, and we're grateful. We're grateful to be able to go. We've been on the road for about a year. Uh, we're praying that we'll be finished by end of May and moving by end of June. We're currently at 61%, so we really do, we covet your prayers. Uh, please do come by and take a prayer card from our table, and if you would like a prayer letter, uh, we do have a sign-up sheet for that as well. Um, we're looking here at Jonah chapter 1, and uh, if you don't mind, I would like to read through uh, the entirety of the chapter, uh, just to help us get some context before we get into this. But Jonah chapter 1. Beginning in verse number 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a great mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners, mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meetest thou, O sleeper? Arise! Call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I'd like to begin in a word of prayer. If you'll pray for me as I'm speaking, I would greatly appreciate that. Father, again, we thank you so much for this time that we have to come together and to hear from your word. Lord, I pray that you would please help us to listen, help us to be attentive for what you have for us this evening. I pray that I would not say anything that you do not desire me to say, and I would only say the things that would be pleasing to you. Lord, I pray that you would be lifted up, that you would be glorified. Lord, if there's even anyone here tonight that does not know you as their Savior, please don't let them leave without knowing you first. 
And Lord, anyone here tonight that needs to make a decision to live for Thee, to do Thy will, I pray that Thou help us, Lord, to do that tonight. Lord, we thank You for everything that You do for us. Please forgive us where we fail You. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As we're looking here at Jonah chapter 1, and I know this is a very familiar passage, and many of us have grown up hearing about Jonah, and usually it's Jonah and the whale. And uh, what, a, what an encouraging passage it is, and, and honestly, in some parts, it's, it's a little, uh, you, you have to kind of scratch your head a little bit, and think, what's going on here? Why is Jonah like this? What's happening here? But really, if we take the time and, and we, we look at it, there are some things that we can truly learn and help us be better Christians, help us to be more pleasing to God. And so tonight I want to look at Jonah's choices. Jonah's choices. Uh, as we go through our life, we all make decisions each and every day. Studies actually show that the average adult makes 35,000 decisions every day. That's a lot of decisions. It's a lot of responsibility. We make decisions all the time, all throughout today, out the day. And uh, many of those can be very simple decisions, things we don't think much about. Some of them, a lot of them, are life-changing decisions. They'll affect the course of our life. We must be very careful with the decisions that we make. But, as I was looking at this and I was studying, um, they said 35,000 decisions per day. That's the average. Out of that, 226 of those decisions are made on food. That's a lot of decisions to make about eating. Why are we thinking about it so much? I don't know. But we do. 226 of these are made on food. And again, that's something that seems like it's such a small thing. But really, even the smallest decisions can change the course of our life. We must take serious these decisions that we make all throughout the day. If you think about it, as we go back to the beginning, um, Adam and Eve, they were put into the garden. Turn back back there with me real quick to Genesis chapter 3. The Lord gave them the food in the garden, the trees of the garden, to eat. He said, you can eat from all of these except one. And as we look again at Genesis chapter 3, look at verse number 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto, unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth, not, doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And we know the rest of the story there. Because of this, sin enters into the world and it's upon all men. We are all born sinners. But it all started with one decision. Will I eat of the fruit or will I not eat of the fruit? Every decision we make, we really need to take great consideration because these decisions can affect our lives and not only our lives but others as well. And we're looking here at Jonah's choices. Jonah's, Jonah had a choice to make. And we can see very easily that he had some difficulties making good choices. And so I want tonight to look at the, the choices that he make, makes, the choice he makes here, and see what we can do in our own lives to better ourselves for the Lord. 
to be pleasing to the Lord. I believe that's what each of us want tonight. We want to live a life that pleases the Lord because we love Him. He showed His love to us, did He not? We have the opportunity to show our love to Him, and that's by being obedient. But we look here at Jonah's choices. Number one, we, we see Jonah's commission. It says there in verse number one, now the word of, of, of Jonah, verse number one, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Jonah was given a task, and he was not given more than one option. It wasn't, you could do this, or you could go to this place, or you could just sit back and relax. No, God said, go to Nineveh and cry against that city, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah didn't want to do that. He wanted to do what he wanted to do, and he ran the opposite direction. He actually tried to go as far away as he possibly could. What was the task that he was given? To preach God's word. And this is not anything different than what every other Christian has been given to do. We are all to go out and preach God's word to those around us. This has been, been happening. This has been a command throughout scriptures. You look back in Deuteronomy, chap- Deuteronomy chapter 6. What were they told? Teach the children. Show the children what I have told you. In books like Jonah, he was told to go and preach to the Ninevites so that they would know that there is a God in heaven. You go into the New Testament, Christ came to the earth and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And while he was here, he preached God's word. Before he left, after he he made that sacrifice on the cross and he rose again, what did he say to the believers? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is something that Christ has wanted us to do. God has wanted us to do all throughout time. This task is not any different. Why was the task given though? It says here again in verse number 2, For their wickedness has come up before me. God saw the wickedness and he said, Someone needs to go and tell them. So that they can turn from their ways and turn to me. Of course, Jonah doesn't do it the first time. We see that he does it in chapter 2. And what an amazing thing happens there. Jonah goes and he preaches God's word. And what do the people do immediately? They start turning away from their sin, turning away from their evil wickedness. And they turn to God. Can I encourage you today? The same God that worked back then in Jonah's life is the same God that we serve today. You know, we live in a very wicked world. There's sin happening all around us. There are people who have turned their backs on God. And God has said, go and preach my word. Go and give them the gospel. If we would but obey, we could see the very same things happen. We could see people turning back to God and living for him. He's the same God. He does not change. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 8, it tells us He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can trust in Him to do these things. But we must look to Him. Jonah had this commission. But what was Jonah's choice? Again, he decided to run the other way. What choices did Jonah have? Preach the Word. Once again, he wasn't given different options. God just said, preach the Word. But because of how we are, the way that we live, the way that we think. He said, preach the word, but Jonah said, oh, but I think I have a plan B. I I think I have something else that I can do. I'm going to run the opposite direction. Oftentimes, that's the way we think. 
God says, I want you to go give that person a tract. And you say, mm, I, I don't know if I have time for that. I think I actually have to be somewhere else. Simple things like that. We, we give ourselves different options, but truthfully, as we look to God and He tells us what to do, there should only be one option. And that is to say, yes, Lord, whatever you have me to do, that's what I'm going to do. We complicate things. Jonah was given the opportunity to preach to a needy people, but he chose to run the, the opposite direction. Why? Why did he run? This is very interesting, I thought. You know, he didn't run because he thought God would do something wrong. He didn't run because he thought God was going to be cruel to these people or cruel to him. Look at at chapter 3. Excuse me, chapter 4, verse number 2. It says here, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish. Why did he run? For I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Jonah ran because he knew who God was. He knew that God was going to be who he says he is, a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, great kindness. He is all of these things. He knew that if he went and preached the gospel, that God would do a great work, and that those people would have opportunity to look to God and to have a relationship with him. So he didn't go for the first time. That's why he ran. Jonah wanted God to pour out his wrath on the people of Nineveh. Jonah wanted God to do what pleased Jonah. Oftentimes we don't do what God wants us to do because it's not the comfortable thing. It's not what's going to make us happy, we think. It doesn't please us. But we weren't put on this earth to please ourselves. We weren't put on this earth to live for ourselves or to please others even. We're put on this earth to please God, to live for Him. Think about this. Jonah was trying to please himself. What did, what did Peter and John say? You look back in Acts chapter 4. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but we're Acts chapter 4, verse number 19 and 20. Peter and John, uh, just the chapters before, were preaching the gospel, and because of that, this group of people came and grabbed them and put them in a prison, held trial, threatened them, said, you better stop preaching in Jesus' name. Stop preaching Christ and His resurrection. And in Acts chapter 4, verse number 19, it says, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto, unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Should I listen to man or should I listen to God? You judge. He says again in, in five, chapter 5, verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. You think about this. This isn't just, you know, we thought, think about man. We ought to obey God rather than man. So if someone else tells us to stop preaching the gospel, should we listen to God or listen to man? Obviously, we should listen to God. But what if we tell ourselves to stop? What if we tell ourselves not to go and speak to someone? We're, we're more likely to listen to ourselves than we are to listen to God. Ought we listen to, to God or to man? Am I serving self or am I serving God? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we are reminded that we, we cannot have two masters. 
For either we will hold to the one and despise the other, we will hate one and love the other. We cannot serve God and mammon. We must choose. And if we have God as our master, then we're going to be obedient. We're going to do what He wants us to do. We only have one choice, and that is to obey. Real quickly, lastly, Jonah's consequence. Of course, as we look and we, we remember this, this account in Jonah, he runs the opposite direction, and what happens? The Lord sends this great tempest as he gets on the boat, and the men throw him off of the boat, and the Lord sends a whale, and he's in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. What an amazing thing to, to look at all of this. But I want us to remember some things as we, as we think about this. Jonah was trying to run from the presence of the Lord. Can I, I want to remind you this tonight. You can't do that. You cannot run from God's presence. Wherever you go, God is with you. He's promised us in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 5, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So though we may try to run, we cannot run from His presence, but what we can do is we can hinder our relationship with Him. As we are disobedient, it's at that moment that we start feeling like, God's not here anymore. God's not listening to me. I don't know where He is. It's because we're hindering that relationship. It's not that God left us, but we've turned our back on Him. We no longer have that relationship. And we see in in Jonah chapter 2 that he's pleading to restore that relationship. Look at verse number 4. What did he have to do to restore that relationship? Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. What did he have to do? He had to look back to God. He had to get his eyes back in the right place. Back to God, trusting in Him. Believing in Him. Jonah could not leave God, but he hindered the relationship. And in order to bring that, re- that relationship, to restore that relationship, he had to look back to God. When Jonah went to the boat, God was with him. When Jonah was in the tempest, God was with him. When Jonah cast, was cast overboard, God was with him. When Jonah was swallowed by the whale, God was with him. such an encouraging, encouraging thought. No matter where I go, no matter what I do, the Lord is with me. The God who created me, the God who brought everything into existence, the God who gave me the gift of salvation, that very same God that we read of in the Bible is with me. Psalm 139, verse number 7, it says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Jonah could not get away from God. But in also thinking about that, we see God's presence because we see that this wind was sent to bring the great tempest. We see that this great fish was brought to swallow up Jonah. But who sent those things? It says in verse number 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind. In verse number 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. The Lord sent these things. Why? Why was Jonah having to go through this? Because he was being disobedient. And the Lord had to chasten him. When the Lord chastens us, it's not because he desires to bring pain and he desires to bring trials and troubles. 
He chastens us to help us, to bring us back to where we need to be. I remember when I was very young, I went into a store with my mother, and uh, it was just her and I. She went in, she got some groceries, and when she was going out, she was holding all of those groceries, and she couldn't hold on to me. The rule was that I was supposed to stay with her, walk with her, through the parking lot to the car. That's what I was supposed to do. But what did I do? The doors opened up, and I thought, the race is on, and I booked it. I ran out of that store all the way down the parking lot. She had no idea where I was going, what I was doing. Ran down the parking lot, and I got to what I thought was our van, and I just slammed on the window. And when I did, I realized it is not my vehicle because there was some strange woman sitting in the driver's seat who was not my mom. And I was scared half of, out of my mind. I scared that woman. My mother was scared. She didn't know where I'd gone, what I'd done. When finally she caught up with me, of course, she took me home, and she gave me a good whooping. And you know, at the time, I thought, this hurts. Why are you doing this to me? She was doing that because she loves me. She wants to protect me. She knows that if I do that again, I could very well get hit. I could get hurt. The, ne- the place for me to be is right there beside her, walking along with her so that she can help me. It's exactly what God wants for us. When he chastens us, he's not doing it to hurt us. He's doing it so we can come back to him and be with him, and he can help us and guide us along. God chastens because he loves us. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. speaks about this as well. Verse number 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Understand tonight that if you are at this moment going through chastening, it's not because God hates you. It's because He loves you. And He's trying to bring you back to where you need to be. And I hope that is an encouragement to you tonight. Don't run from God. Run to God and allow Him to help you. I'm grateful that God loves me enough to bring me back to to Him. There was a, a time in my life where I was trying to do my own thing. I was trying to run from the Lord. And uh, this particular time, I was with a friend. The Lord used this situation in my life to bring me back to him. I was with a friend. I was driving a car. It was his car. He actually said to me, I'm I'm very tired. I'm going to let you drive because if I drive, we'll probably wreck. And so I took the keys. I got in the car, and uh, his friend was in town to visit for the day. We started going back to where we were staying, and we got about two minutes from where we were staying. And I was going down this hill, which I had gone down many times before, and um, this time, for some reason, it was a little bit different. We started going down the hill, going way too fast, obviously. And when you get down to the bottom of the hill, there's a curve. And I couldn't slow down fast enough. We got down there, and I started trying to make the curve, and the back end started going out behind us, and by that time, everything was too late. It was, it was in motion. The car went sideways. We started rolling and landed upside down on the bank on the other side of the road. When I got out of the car, of course, I was not happy. People were driving by and and stopping and saying, wow, how did this happen? How are you still alive? You shouldn't be alive right now. And I really started to think about that. Why, why God? Why did you leave me here? God has a specific purpose and, and he used that to help me realize God left me here 
for a reason. He didn't need to, but he did. And what was that reason? That's kind of what helped me go back and start looking to the Lord and seeking the Lord's will in my life. God didn't do that just so he could hurt me and make me afraid and scared and run. He was trying to bring me back to him. Will you, will you please, just if you're, if you're going through right now, right now, go back to God. Allow him to help you. But think about this too. Jonah was not alone in dealing with these consequences. He was the one who made the decision. And every decision that we make, there are consequences. It could be good decisions, bad, good consequences, bad consequences. But he was not the only one who was affected by those. As he went onto this boat, all of the men who were on the boat had to deal with that. The great tempest that came. It wasn't because of what they did, it was what Jonah did. We read that right here in, in this first chapter. It was happening because he ran from the presence of the Lord. And so they had to deal with that. And of course, when, the, when they threw him off the boat, they were able to have smooth sailing again. But what if, what if Jonah had decided to continue to run? Those men probably would have went down to the bottom of the sea with Jonah. What an effect Jonah's choices could have had on those men's lives. Not only that, what if he had decided to continue to run and he didn't go preach the message to the Ninevites? All those people would not have heard God's word and would not have been able to turn back to God because Jonah decided to continue running. But of course, thankfully, we see that he, he made the decision to go and they had the opportunity to turn back. I really want us to think about that as we make decisions in our life. It can affect all those around us. Family, friends, people we work with, people we don't even know. We need to be very careful with the decisions that we make, the choices that we make. As we think about Jonah and the choices that he made, I want us to think in our own lives, what is it that God is telling us to do? Perhaps it is to to speak to someone across the street. Perhaps it's to be a pastor, a youth pastor, a missionary. Perhaps it's to go across the world into the country. Perhaps it's just to go to another state. Whatever it is that God is telling you to do, if He truly is your master, you only have one choice. And that is to obey Him. I only have one choice, and that is to obey Him and to go to the people of Scotland. Who is our master? Who is your master? If God truly is master... Again, we only have one choice. I'm going to close in a word of prayer. Pastor, if you'll come. Father, again, we thank you so much for this day and for this time that we have to to spend together, to fellowship together. Lord, I pray that you would please help us not just to allow this, this scripture to come in one ear and out the other. Lord, help us to be hearers and doers of your word. Lord, I pray that we would look to Thee and trust in Thee to help us along in life, to to know what we ought to do and how we ought to do things. Lord, help us to trust in Thee and to be obedient to Thee. We thank You for all that You have done for us and for giving us Your Word. We love You, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.